0: This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield.
1: Hello, welcome to this week's Liverpool.com podcast. It's Dan Morgan, it's Joe Rabinowitz, it's Oliver Connolly with you, as always, to discuss Liverpool Football Club in 2021. Um, There's no game uh, for the second consecutive week. So, therefore, we are going to look at something a little bit different. We're going to look at a theme we've been running on Liverpool.com, which is a series of pieces around Liverpool's transfer activity this summer. We have all taken turns to plot our own summer incomings in terms of players Liverpool would buy, who we would like. We've all been given a budget of £65 million based on the amount that we think Liverpool can recoup in player sales. So, we're going to come to them in a minute. I just want to have a little chat. Generally, that's about the concept of looking forward, Joel, um, and the concept of um, evolution and where we think the manager will look to evolve Liverpool and where he will look to um, to ignite and energise his team and where he will look to sort of put the wheel back on, if you like, from what has happened this season and, and the deviation from what the plan originally was.
2: Yeah, there's quietly quite a bit of change that we can expect this summer. Um, After a few years, really, where everything's been quite constant, quite stable, and you'd be looking at kind of one or two um, departures, but none of them being key players. You know, last summer it was Alana Lovren. I think this summer there'll be quite a lot more going out the door than that. Ideally, if Liverpool can get their way, I think they probably would have wanted to shift more than they did last summer. Um, But I think in terms of player turnover and Reshaping the squad. I think this one is probably gonna be the biggest window for quite a while um for Liverpool in that regard. I think you can make arguments, as we'll come on to discuss uh, shortly, but there's there's a need to strengthen in in most areas of a squad, really I'd say. Um in part due to players that we expect to move on at the end of their contracts, players who've got injury, question marks hanging over them, and also just the need generally for a refresh, which I think has been kind of increasingly obvious throughout the season that obviously this group of players has done amazing things together and continuity is, is generally seen as a positive thing and it, it's served Liverpool really well um, this long but I think that there comes a point in any team cycle and any managerial cycle where you do need change and I think Liverpool have got one of if not the oldest um, starting eleven in the league on average this season and I think that's definitely something that this summer and over the next few windows they're going to have to start offloading a few of those players um and bringing in players in that sort of 21 to 25 age bracket who are perhaps not yet world class um but have the potential to kind of reach that level um or a very high level over the years to come and make that next step so yeah um i think in in lots of areas of the squads um we will see quite a bit of movement this summer
1: the market's really interesting ollie right isn't it because it's no one really knows what either it is or what it's going to be. Um, it feels like it's going to need maybe something like an Mbappe to Real Madrid or a Haaland to City to kickstart it. Um, we we know with a certain degree of certainty, if you like, that certain deals are probably dead in the water. Eden Hazard at 29 going to Madrid for silly money is just not going to happen anymore. For example, so. What can we expect in terms of the market? What can we expect in terms of what would be set at a fair price for a Liverpool target, for example? It's really hard because you look
0: across Europe right now and there are so many failing TV deals and that's the stuff that we, from the outside, it's so hard to know the inner workings of when that money triggers, what that means for each respective club, that the TV deal in France has completely collapsed. Does that mean that Leo will be more willing to sell their players or that they're going to try and kick the can down the road for two years and say, we're not letting these assets go for 20 million this summer. Let's just hold water for two, three seasons and hope we can get back to that 50 million euro mark again. In a couple of years, the two Spanish clubs, the the two giants, cannot spend any money unless they they recuperate some value from getting rid of big wages on their books. And who is going to take those wages? As you said, that that twenty seven to thirty one year old market has just vanished. That doesn't exist anymore. So it, it's really hard to find out find where the domino effect comes. Even the clubs that could trigger the domino, you mentioned Hull and there would. Dortmund really invests all that money back into the market? It's not it's not really mm. their way. They they would go cheaper anyway and, and look for other young players around Europe. And that wouldn't have much of a domino effect that would really help Liverpool. Um so yeah, I, it's really hard to get a grasp. And I think it'll be the same as last summer where, and this is where Liverpool might be at some part uh, of a deficiency where it, a lot of last summer was just pure agent movement was call an agent let him find you a player and find you a selling club. And he would put two or three pieces together to fit a jigsaw where you would just wind up with Kostas Chimagas is arriving on a plane. Cool, that's a left-back we'll sign there. And you it's going to be a lot of contact-based movement, I think, this, this summer, which makes it really hard to predict, as opposed to where you can kind of go through a spreadsheet and say, here's the top left-backs that, you know, almost like football manager, 24 years old, crosses the ball well, which one? one of these five, please? I just don't think it's going to work that way this summer.
1: Joel references before Ollie about um, about Liverpool and the concept of of having a, a busy summer. I I think that's still quite up for debate. I, I I agree with them. I think that they will have to be busy in some form or another. But I think what what will be a defining factor of why they will have to be is you now have this constant ticking clock of Jurgen Klopp in 2024, and we know now with absolute um without a shadow of a doubt he's going at that time basically and there has to be then an element of building for the life beyond Klopp you know if 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 all of this was sort of limitless in terms of player contracts Klopp's contract then you could very much sort of put the season in a box and say right we go again with what we've got next season and then we look after that to to put the building blocks in place to see whether this is a temporary um, halt or whether it's something that's got a little bit more sort of long term damage. I guess where I'm going to with this is that Liverpool don't have the option to have a quiet summer because they're not only having to sort of fix what went wrong this season, but also they're going to have to keep building towards that time point in which Klopp leaves the club
0: it's a really interesting tension because you know last summer you can explain the tiago deal away as a win now moment but it still fit the model we discussed it a ton at the time it was a massive market inefficiency to get a world-class player at that value even at that age in that contract it was an amazing value to sign a world-class midfielder that yeah. is the way now you move into this summer and it's like does Jurgen Klopp want to be in the business of developing 21-year-olds from recently relegated teams and hope that they, they become world beaters in two three seasons mm-hmm. is that where he is anymore does he just want David Alaba? Would the club sanctioned David have a deal if it. it didn't go beyond the lifespan of a Jurgen Klopp Liverpool era it's probably the first time they they would have and I'm sure it'll be fine tension and they can only do as much as the market will allow you know that's the other thing here is that I'm sure Mike Edwards wants to go in and say get me two defenders a midfielder and a four but there's only so much he can do in terms of what is coming in from the other side a lot of Liverpool's extraneous assets are really depreciated really invaluable assets from what they were even two seasons ago where you might have got 25 million quid for Divock for off, off a wanting to be Europa League, Bundesliga club. I don't think that cash is going to be hanging out there for them anymore. So yeah, you're right. It's a, it's might be the first time we get some reports of, of not being fully on the same the same sheet that maybe they'll decide that they'll take a long-term view that goes beyond Jurgen Klopp. But I think he also is one of those people who wants to set up for sustained success beyond himself. The guys in the room with him might be the people who have to carry it on when he takes his sabbatical. So he probably doesn't want to leave them with a you know injury saddle 33 year old that's just not even that the style and we've written about this before, the style he demands, you hear Matt Hummels talk about the naivety of playing in the Klopp system. He would probably still want that that character, that profile of person anyway, someone who wants to achieve and have their peak careers of the ball then going and signing a thirty-year-old. You know, it's not this kind of Mourinho territory, so it should be okay. But it could be the first one with uh, some some kind of tension.
1: For the purpose of the game, Joel, we've sold Arigi, Shakiri, Sheyohjo, Marco Krunic, and Harry Wilson, and we've we've allowed for a budget of sixty-five million. I mean, in a in a real world, do you see anybody else leaving? Do you see anybody else sort of left field being brought into that equation? Again, we have this this 2023 thing looming over us where some of the the major names in Liverpool's squad are, are going to be out of contract within two years. Um, is there a possibility any of them go this summer?
2: Maybe. I think I mean, out of the names that you just mentioned there, I don't think anyone could really make a solid argument that you want to keep any of them. I think Liverpool would take whatever fees they can uh, and get them off the books. I think where it becomes quite interesting um, if Liverpool are trying to raise a little bit more cash um, and looking at who is saleable in the squad but also not essential and could be lost about kind of taking a huge amount away from the squad. I think that the two most interesting names are probably Oxlade-Chamberlain and Cater. Um, less so in terms of, of skill set and ability because I think they've they've shown on occasions in the past, um, if not for as long as we'd want on a consistent basis, that they they can contribute at a the the level Liverpool need. And um, I think the, the thing with Oxide chamberlain is it's been a long time since that's been the case. Um, there, were, there were points last season where he did play really well for a while. I mean, the, around the turn of the year where he came into the team, January, February time. Uh, and end of the season with more goals than anyone in the squad apart from the front three. Um, so I think that there's evidence that Oxide chamberlain is is a much better player than the one we've seen this season coming back off of three months out injured. And the same with Cato There was a, a spell around sort of. December last year, going to the Club World Cup, um, Bournemouth away. Um and at other points after a uh, lockdown when they came back and he scores that brilliant goal against Chelsea and I think he's brilliant against Brighton as well. We've seen enough from both players to know that they are good enough to play for Liverpool. I think it just comes down to availability and whether Liverpool are prepared to go into yeah, it'll be Cater's fourth season at the club, I think. Um are they willing to give him yet another season? Um and bank on him being available for enough games to make the kind of impact they need. I'm not sure you can look at next season and say with any kind of certainty that you're going to have K to fit for even 20 games, let alone 30 plus. I just don't see it. And the frustrating thing with him is it's never been major um, kind of trauma injuries like the ones we've seen with the centre-backs this season. He hasn't done a, a knee ligament or or broken a bone or anything. It's always been small muscular problems that keep on happening and then we get him back for a few weeks starts to look good and then we hear he's out for one game at a time that turns into two and three and it's it's whether Liverpool prepared to kind of keep faith in him uh, any longer and I think you can make a similar argument around Oxide chamberlain as well Um, and those are two players who I think would probably have some offers this summer and what those fees are right now is is really difficult to call um, because the market is in such a state of flux I don't know whether Cater is, is a 40 million player. I don't know if you can get 25 million for him now. Oxlade-Chamberlain again, would you get much more than 10, 15 million given his injury record and kind of how long it's been since he's been a regular player for Liverpool? I'm not quite sure, but I think those are have other two other than the obvious ones that I think Liverpool would have to have a pretty long, hard think about um, if offers do come in this summer.
0: The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
1: All right, so the first up uh, in our transfer game was myself, which uh, came out early hours, Sunday morning. Um, we were given 65 million to spend, and we, we judged that based on um, players' sold, but we also judged incomings and valuations of players based on transfer marked. Um, they have a set valuation for each player, which you can decide yourself maybe a little bit out there, maybe... A little bit underselling, uh, maybe a little bit overpriced. The point is, we couldn't sort of create a valuation for every single player um, because God knows we have enough to do already. So um, we used Transfermarkt and with the 65 million that I had to play with, I made the signings of Duja Coletta Carr from Marseille for 23 million. Uh, Rafinha from Leeds was valued at 25 million. I took him. Um, out of steel and I used the remaining 12 million or so, um, which I think is reasonable to bring Memphis to Pie in on a free. Memphis to Pie, by the way, if you tweet his name um fully, as we found out on the you get to spend a bite of her for the best part of the day. And no one knows why. Um, absolutely wild. So whatever you do, don't say his name. What um, was your
0: general strategy? You went two forwards. So that you went in, did you go in deciding I want two forwards or did you go in deciding did you go in deciding that you're getting carter and then from
1: there you just looked at the, the valuation? I'll go through it. So so firstly, car. I I think that there is a world in which Liverpool do not sign Oz and come back and still want to collect a car. Um and I think there's a world in which when we're talking about right and wrongs that they've maybe not got um hundred percent I think that's one that maybe done have everyone's head in in January. That that was clearly a player they wanted that clearly they sat on it for too long that clearly <clears throat> they made the wrong judgment for too much of the month. And I think there might just be a stubbornness if anything for them to to put that right. But but what you also see with Kaletta Card is and I put in the piece he stacks up um very, very high in in the attributes Liverpool wants from centre-backs. He's combined tackles and interceptions um, this season more than any Liverpool player last season. He had 59. Van Dijk was highest at 54. Uh, His passing range is also of interest. Scores higher than Kabak and Phillips um, combined by a considerable number for progressive distance of passes. Um, I I just think there's a player there that, that they really wanted and is suitable um so i think that there's every chance olsen Kabak Quebec, probably still gets a good move out of liverpool but it isn't liverpool and Liverpool go back in for him the the, the two attackers thing ollie is in my opinion i just think it's really hard to replicate wijnaldum in any form I, I think you're looking for some kind of hybrid that doesn't exist for what your budget will be and for where you need to strengthen in other areas So I think the best strategy in many ways is to do nothing at all and to try and use what you've got. And that is a risk, and we've seen it backfire this season. But if Liverpool can solidify its centre-back to the point where they don't have to use Fabinho, to the point where they don't have to use Henderson, and they also are able to condition Kite, Chamberlain, for full seasons, keep Milner 5th, for example, he's another one, then I think there's a world in which you can get away with not having Wijnaldum, um and not replacing him. And I think that the other thing that factors into this is if you get Rafinha, for example, and if you get uh, Memphis Depay, or if you get two other attackers, if you get one of them and decide Harvey Elliott's ready for the bump, then what I think there's every chance Liverpool do is I think they target the first 10 home games of the season Especially the ones against sort of 17th to 20th place sides that are below them in City and probably Chelsea, and say, right, we are just, we are going 2 3 5 here. And we are going to play every game with the intention of being 3 0 up at half time. And even if we end up only winning 3 2, who is going to want to roll that dice with us? But the one thing I think they won't want is even if Anfield's packed to the rafters. And we come away with a, a 94th minute 1-0 that we've scored an injury time. I think there's a there's a world in which that does no one any favors because the next Burnley then get to say, well, your mates there kept them to nil-nil for 93 minutes. You only have to keep them to nil-nil to 94. Whereas the flip side of that is all of this is around creating doubt. And I think Klopp will say, we absolutely front-load this. And we try and get to 3-0 at half-time every home game we've got in a flat-track way. Because even if you've got a chance of only losing 3-2, who wants to be 3-0 down at half-time to Liverpool? Mm -hmm. Nobody. So that's where I think the mentality will be. It might be a bit extreme there, but I think that might be what the thinking is.
0: What's interesting about that then is you you split the cost between two forwards rather than trying to maybe find someone who you think might be world-class or playing maybe ahead of Bobby and you slide him into a kind of pseudo-10 role. Is there a reason why you split the, the cost? Could you not find anyone who was worth the value? You just thought it was better to, to split it up?
1: Yeah, basically. Um, and I think, like I said, I think to be tactically fluid, then I think you're going to need that variance. And the thing with Rafina is, he does tons of stuff going backwards. He does so much work going the other way that I think there is a way in which you could sort of invert him even. You know, I'm not saying Rafina at right back. I mean, there's a piece. <laughs> but um, but I, think, I think there's ways in which you can say we lose nothing in terms of shape if he plays on the right and we put Salah through the middle. Um, Memphis is... A bit of an opportunist signing, I think he's great. I think he's, I think he does tons of number nine stuff that would give you a different option that isn't someone like Haaland. I think back to goal, he's he's sort of really underrated, and I think there'll be a lot of people who sort of like Salah would remember him for his United days, like they did with Salah in his Chelsea days. But he's a completely different player. He's he's almost a bit like Salah in his, It's almost like he's gone away and worked on his core strength. He's worked on his physical attributes as much as his. It's technical. Um, so I, I, I'm just thinking predominantly variance in attack with this. And like I say, you have to spot value and you have to spot opportunity. But I think there's 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 definitely a world in which if they get the centre-backs back and they, you, you can never know, this is the thing. So they have to bank on keeping the centre-backs fit. They have to bank on keeping Fabinho fit. And if it happens, it happens again, then it's just pure bad luck. But no one can say, because you didn't replace Wijnaldum, this happened. And more to the point, I don't think there's an obvious Ronaldo repl- replacement out there. I mean, let's open that up. Who, Who is? I, I don't think Bissouma is. I'm not sure. Unless they find a gem, which is not beyond them. I'm not sure there's an obvious player out there who you go, yeah, there's your Ronaldo. I don't think it's so
2: much. I mean, in my opinion, I, I think you almost don't have to try and replace Ronaldo. I think that actually... At this point, he, he's done a brilliant job, obviously, for the sort of five years he's been a Liverpool player, but I, I agree that I don't think there's a player who can do exactly the same job out there, but I almost think having something different and a, a slight change in direction isn't necessarily the worst thing for this group of players, because as much as he's been brilliant um, and you, you can bank on him, especially in the big games, to, to step up, there have been times this season um, where I've watched my album in games and just thought he hasn't Offered a huge amount, or he hasn't been exactly the kind of player we need. Um, I'm I'm thinking particularly of the kind of the home defeats to the likes of Fulham, Burnley, Brighton, um, and other games earlier on in the season where Liverpool were kind of held by teams that you'd expect them to beat. Wijnaldum can be a little bit safety first at times, and I don't want that to come across as kind of a slight on him as a player because, as I said, his record speaks for himself and what he's done, and I think almost. Yeah, the 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 bigger the game or the the faster paced it is, and the, the higher caliber of opponent, the more you see kind of one album rise through the gears. I think where Liverpool could do with something a little bit different is in those games where they are on top, they have all the ball, the onus is on them to to find a way through. And I think that a little bit of a change of direction um, away from a one album type of player isn't necessarily the worst thing. So, um, I mean, I I don't know if you want me to come onto my selections yet, but I think trying to replace album isn't necessarily something they have to do um, in terms of style The thing with album that's so
0: tough is his main attribute is finding space and he finds mm. the tiniest crease of space that's why Joel is so spot on and he said this a bunch of times, Of he becomes so viable when the game is so fast because it's so hard to find space because you're usually playing better teams And his ability to find half a yard of of space to then flip the ball on, it just opens the game up completely and changes the dynamic. That's why when he's just gifted space, he's not as effective. Trying to reverse engineer finding that player with the budget you have is so difficult. Those players are usually already world-class, so they're hard to find. And rarely is it someone like Bersouba who's playing in a different role than what Liverpool were able to evaluate in Alden, which was someone who was playing higher up the pitch. They could see what they wanted and they moved him backwards. It's It's... It's not impossible to, to find a like-for-like replacement like that. And even that, that that value, that vision, you can find nowhere in the numbers. So even if you try and do a data analysis, it's really hard to find someone in the numbers who reflects what album because he's actually quite terrible when you just go by numbers. It's all in the aesthetics. It's all in evaluating. It's all in how he fits into a team construct. And it's hard to find that player
1: out there on the market right now. Thiago Alcantara is all I will show <laughs> on next season.
0: The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
1: Joel, you are next up. Talk us through your choices. Yeah, so i have come
2: for a slightly different approach. Um, basically try to sort of spread the 65 million across several positions, which I think all need strengthening um, for different reasons. So the first priority I've gone with um, is the attack, because I think Liverpool do definitely need to add at least one more. And I say at least one more because I quite like to see them sign an actual out and out number nine centre-forward, although for the purposes of this game, couldn't really find one that I thought was at the level I wanted for the price that was going to fit the budget. So I've gone for a player who I think is a definite upgrade on what Shakiri and Origi currently provide, but it was also got masses of potential over um, the next kind of four or five years to be a long-term Liverpool player and, and go up um, quite a few levels um, around better players. So that's Pedro Neto from Wolves. I think he was listed um, 31.5 million, which... Again, he might end up costing a little bit more than that in real life. But I think there's a huge amount of parallels there with Jota. Um, His his actual numbers this season are, on the face of it, not that impressive. I think he's on five goals and four assists in the league. so nine. It's basically a goal contribution every three games or something, which I think in a Wolves team, which has been pretty poor in general this season and doesn't tend to create a huge amount of chances, he's had to carry the bulk of that attack um, on his shoulders without uh, Raul Jimenez for most of the season. Adama Traore's obviously been nowhere near the level he was at and hasn't kicked on since last season. Um, and I think Neto's been by far their outstanding player. Um, massively come on since last season as well. I know when he scored that goal at Anfield and, and did the mad celebration, and he, he looked like a bit of a kid then. If you watch him now, he's bulked out physically. Um, he's a brilliant finisher. The goal, I think it was the last-minute winner he scored against Chelsea um, not so long ago on his left foot. Um, it was a very Jota type finish, very sort of Mane type run as well. And I think there's loads of similarities there. Um, he could play, I think he's played four or five different roles this season in a number of different systems. And I just think as a versatile young option, he's 21. So he's at a perfect kind of age to make that next step in his career. Um, he's one that I think with a kind of succession planning in mind, replacing the front three um, who are all going to be uh, Mane Salah and Firmino, that is, they're all going to be 29 going into next season, I think Liverpool needs to get that next jota. And for me, he's he ticks loads of boxes. So gone with him. Um, next one I've done is is another centre-back. And I think for me, this is almost irrespective of what they decide to do with Kabak. I probably at the moment would just buy Kabak. I think he's going to end up costing us around 18 or 20 million, roughly, in that ballpark. If Liverpool do turn the loan into a permanent, I, I think they probably will end up doing that. Um, but I think irrespective... I think they need to sign another center back. Reasoning for that is I'm not counting Joel Massip basically as a Liverpool player going into next season and again that's nothing to do with Massip as a player when he's fit. I think he's brilliant. He's one of the best there is in the Premier League, but you just can't can't rely on him. I don't think he's even put more than two consecutive um 90 minutes in this season at any point. And I think as he gets older, um he's a player for Liverpool really sadly um need to try and sort of replace because you just can't be carrying a player of that quality who just, you can't depend on when you need him. So I'm not including Matip and I think there's a massive unknown really around Van Dijk and Gomez about what kind of players we're going to get back, how quickly uh, we'll get them back to the level we want them to be at, whether they'll pick up any sort of muscular injuries, which just tends to be quite common, unfortunately, after the kind of length off they've had. Um and also just not having the pressure of needing Van Dijk and Gomez to suddenly become kind of nailed on starters week in, week out when they've been out of action for so long. I think Liverpool do need to kind of strengthen again at centre-back. Um, so I think Coletta Carr is a definitely a good shout. We obviously know Liverpool like the look of him. I've gone for a player um, who I actually I picked out in January. I didn't think Liverpool could get him then, um, halfway through a season and a club he plays for, um, but a player I think he's been really understated this season. That's Conser at Aston Villa. Um, number of reasons he's he's very quick across the ground, which I think is kind of essential in um, Liverpool to get back to playing that the high line system that we know they're best at. Um, I think that's essential. He's he's pretty good on the ball as well. Um, being part of an Aston Villa defense, which has been one of the most solid in the Premier League this season, he's homegrown as well, which Liverpool kind of right of a limit without this season um, and could do with adding a few more English players. He's also 23, which for me is a perfect age. Um, so I think loads of different reasons there. I think he's he's not necessarily going to be a world beater in years to come, but I just think he's got a lot of a natural skills um, and ability to improve. And I think he probably would pro- be realistically attainable whether Liverpool do have European football or not going into next season. So that's something to take into account. Um, So gone for them and I have actually gone for Basuma as my third one, which was kind of slightly um, not the most exciting one um, to go for, but I think he just is quite a sensible, logical player. I don't think he's necessarily a direct one Wijnaldum replacement, but really liked him whenever I've seen Brighton this season. And at 24, again, is in that kind of sweet spot um, age category. And the other thing I'd throw in there as well with with him, he has been more of an an out-and-out defensive midfielder for Brighton. But Alden at Newcastle was a completely different Alden to the player Klopp ended up making him. So I think looking at someone like Basuma at Brighton, there's every chance that he could be a, a different type of midfielder and do a very different job for Liverpool. Um, and again, he's one that I think, irrespective of European football or not, um, would just add another body to a midfield, doesn't get injured very much, um, and I think kind of could go up another level as well.
1: What's it... Um, what... In terms of concert, but more specifically in general, mm-hmm. I mean, what what I know you mentioned the 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 type of centre backs they're going to get back, or you know the type of level Van Dyke and Gomez are at. What mm-hmm. do you think they need from a centre back going into next season?
2: I think the main thing, necessarily obvious thing to say, is availability. I think they need one who they can absolutely kind of nail down as thirty plus appearances in all competitions that is available whenever you need them, and I think. What I'm talking about with Gomez and Van Dyke is I would be hesitant of having a scenario next season where Van Dyke say he comes back over the summer, he has a good preseason and suddenly he's straight back in every single week and you can't take him out of the team because you've only got two or three other centre backs there and Matip's injured and you can't use him. And I think that's a risk um that if you're gonna keep the best possible Van Dyke for the next two or three years and avoid kind of running him into the ground too quickly when he's back, you're gonna need at least one other high level centre back. Um, who isn't Nat Phillips. And that's a little bit of an unknown going into summer. I don't think Phillips is going to be a long-term Liverpool player. I think he's done fantastically well this season and it's going to get a brilliant move off the back of it at some point, whether that be next summer or, or slightly later. But I think we need to be aiming a little bit higher than Kabak and Phillips going into next season. And if you get Van Dijk and Gomez back and they're they're all fine and that's a bonus. But I think regardless of that... um a centre-back you can rely on, has the technical, physical attributes, doesn't get injured and again, lowers that age profile of the squad and, and could be there
1: for the next four or five years? I think they need, I, sorry, I'll let you come in now, Ollie. I, I, I think my thing would be whoever they get and whoever they sort of have lining up, they need they need to be people who they trust in terms of their ability in, in possession. So, mm-hmm. for example, there's the pack and piece that we've done around the series with that where there's literal evidence in front of you that says Joe Gomez makes Trent Alexander-Arnold a better player because of the areas in which he finds him on the pitch, the areas in which he creates um, passing angles for Trent um, to, to advance further forward. So, I mean, I don't know what concert is like in that sense, um, but I think if they are looking for anyone, be it Coletta Karka back, concert someone else, I think that'll be, that'll be forefront in, the, in their thoughts.
0: I would think it should be that you just you don't want to get into a situation where you're you're prioritizing passing from the back over just flat one-on-one defending. Particularly if you get Van Dijk back and it covers up some of those some of those stuff. I agree with you. Joe Gomez is almost a unicorn. He is a absurdly good player in terms of the packing metrics as a centre back. And I I would do wonder also how much what element of that is how well everyone around him was playing to give you the angles to receive the pass? I, I do think that is that is true too. But I mean, we've written three, four pieces about the Gomez clip. It was it was such a huge part of Liverpool's build up play that's just vanished. So trying to find someone who can do that for you, it should be a paramount importance. It's hard to find someone who can do
2: that and one on one defend and who is then affordable. <laughs> it's just trying to thread that yeah. needle. Just as a, a point of interest as well, with Conter, he um, he played with Gomez for a while, I think, at Charlton they came through the U system there together. So it's just an interesting um, thing. They obviously know each other's game and surprised as well, but he hasn't been called up for England yet, given the kind of dearth of quality centre-backs. But yeah, it's one as well, It's just difficult to to assess really in an Aston Villa team, which plays a different way to Liverpool. He's playing with, with Matt Cash on his right and he's got different midfielders in front and, and Tyrone Mings isn't exactly Virgil van Dijk. So, Difficult to judge what sort of concert at Liverpool would look like based on Villa, but from what I've seen, uh, I really like the look of him.
0: The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo
1: Ollie, uh, spoiler alert you haven't done yours yet on the site, but we're going to ask you for the sake of the podcast to do it. So um, let us know what you're going with. Yeah, I, I wanted to get versatility. When I was
0: going through this, it's like this, as we mentioned at the top of the show, I think they need three or four, maybe even five players just in terms of refreshing. And trying to spread that budget around was really hard. The first one I went in as this is my no doubt, no brainer, the one I would definitely do, should come as no shot for regular readers or listeners, is David Alaba. Um, you gave us a cap of 10 million quid, right, for the free agent players. Is, is that right? Yep. signing on fees and such i yep. i see in i think it one opens up a ton of versatility versatility in terms of what you do at the back and you're talking about a three two five build up system or three one six similar to what Man City have done this year. I think him in possession in kind of a, a three like that works best. I view him honestly more of the Wine replacement. If you're looking for like for like, I think going back to how he played in midfield when Pep was there is about as close as you can get to someone who you are comfortable with receiving the ball between the lines, those little shuffles, a little movement, you knowing exactly the right time to, to move and when to just flip the ball outside and then whether to hold or keep your run. That that's the genius of Wijnaldum. It's the tiny things that are often missed, and I think that's where Alava is at his best. I don't think necessarily having him as your left-sided go-to centre-back is where he's at his best at all. He just found himself there at Bayern because there's a better left-back option now. Um, so I think maybe I think having Alava would be my go-to. The other one, this is a great one. I'm gonna I'm gonna let Guy Clark clip this up. Benoit Badiashia from Monaco. I found this guy a while back. I remember messaging Joel saying I think I found Franz Beckenbauer. And Hmm. I tell people, go on Benoit Badishia's highlights on YouTube and you will be floored. It is Virgil van Dijk, 2.0, 19 years old, 23 million on transfer mark, passing range unbelievable, stepping out of the back like Rude Huller, 93, picking it up off the goalkeeper and just beating one or two players and then these cross-field rakes that are just outrageous. Left-footed, gangly. Seth Vandenberg at 16 here. That, That is my big concern that he would then just vanish off the face of the earth and we wouldn't see him Ben Davies style for uh, for six months. But, I mean, he's playing high-level league league un, football yeah. at 19 years old. And the thing, I think the uh, I'm going to use a fake argument here, like it's a real debate show, because I've seen Joel get hit with the Conter's quite small thing, but I don't actually think he looks small at all when, when he plays. I think he's fine. He's, what, six feet? But Badish is a true six-foot-three and is filled out. And so you get mobility, passing range and size at, at that age in that package from a production factory of players that just churns out world-class players all the time. I do th- I do think he is has a chance to be Europe's next special one. I'd rather the Bull just cut out the middleman and went and got him this summer and hope for the best with Gomez and Van Dijk than wait another couple of years for him to make a move and then go and try and sign him for fifty million quid there.
2: Ollie, do you not think the um does the Champions League thing worry you in terms of Alaba? Is he a bit out of reach if that isn't available. Yes, it would be impossible. But I did not <laughs> consider that
0: until right this second. <laughs> uh, if, if this is my fantasy you know, exactly. in, this, in this I just put Thiago on the phone I say, come on, mate, let's do this. One last ride of the boys. Oh, let's go. we
1: just win the Champions League this season. We just win the know, Champions League this
0: season. That's another way, yeah. That's the other way. And my last one was Jonathan David, who is now at Lille, who used to be at Ghent and who Liverpool went for, I believe, last summer in January. was sniffing around. He's a big, big one of the analytics crowd. He can play any of the positions in the front three and I think that that's crucially important. He would profile more as a off-the-shoulder nine, which I think would get fans excited, someone who could push the defensive line back. But he's become much more of a creator and a facilitator this year. And as, as mentioned at the top, I really think the French market is where all of Europe's clubs, particularly the Premier League, will go to look this year, given the failing TV deal, and, and try and test yeah. their restraint on, OK, you probably want $45 million for this guy who's going to be one of the next stars of Europe, but will you take thirty right now? No instalment fees, none of that. Just take the cash. And so I think that is where transfer markets accurately reflected the, the depreciating values of the French League. Um, it's that that market's just completely collapsed. They have no no money coming in for what is basically 36 months without cash, which if you don't make the Champions League is going to make it really hard to keep your best players.
1: It feels like they need they need a forward who they have a vision for. You know, you you see that they get Salah and they say, no, you know, predominantly he's playing on the right. We see that. They've done a little bit with Jota, Playing on the left, I think if they if if you describe Jonathan David as being someone who can be a little bit false nineish, and maybe provide that alternative to Firmino, then if they've created that vision for him, then a possibility. But they'd be looking to do that for any forward right that they bring in. I would think so.
0: I think David, when he was back in Belgium, he looked identical to kind of the ideal of Mane flying in off the left, that inside forward in on his right foot happy days off we go, but he's really become a much craftier player and played more centrally since he's moved to France. And that is the type of thing that as a scouting department, I'm sure they'd be, one, be excited by it, and and to be like, see, we knew that kind of player was in there also. We could have done with that this year. So uh, he, to me, it would be, I think them targeting players who they've looked at before. Botman's another one. Um, you mentioned someone before whose name escapes me now, uh, uh, car Guys they've been looking at for a while who'd be on that long list for the last two seasons and then just... Calling to check in, what are the budgets like because of coronavirus? Mm-hmm. I think that they should be looking at, rather than trying to find flavor of the month or guys who've had necessarily decent six months, because it's been such a strange season, God knows how some of these players are going to react when fans come back. And there's players at Barcelona who haven't played in front of a pat new camp and look like world beaters because they've only been playing on what is effectively a training ground for 18 months now. So finding players who they've been tracking for a long time, who they believe uh, could have made the step up two years ago or whatever, but they didn't have the budgets to go and do. I think trying to target those players, because they would have had a plan then and maybe you can enact the plan now.
1: All very good. Um, I'll just run through Josh Williams, whose uh, piece will be out first thing tomorrow, Tuesday morning, sorry. Um, So it will be on the site when you're probably watching this podcast. So head over to that. So Josh has gone for Caleta Carr for 23 and he's gone for Harvey Barnes for 35. Mm -hmm. Thoughts on that?
2: I like him. Um, it, the only thing is he's got a really bad injury at the moment, hasn't he? Um, don't know if he's done his cruciate or another knee ligament, but out for the season. So kind of that's big money for a player who might not even be fit for a while.
1: It is. It is an interesting one. He's he's one who Klopp has he's he's repeatedly spoken about Ollie, isn't he? He's one who he clearly fancies, but there's. There's the market, there's the premium, there's, there's everything about him just screams he will hold some kind of value to what Leicester wants. Yeah, I think I I can't imagine Liverpool
0: outbidding Man United for that one. I think he just screams of if he was gonna make a move to a big club, yeah. it'll be Manchester United paying fifty-five million quid for him and everyone That seems like a funny one. Um mm-hmm. I just don't think they would have the the head to head ability to, to take him away from Leicester N- not next season with the Champions League either. that's a big factor there Would you leave Leicester in the Champions League to go to Liverpool what a strange discussion to have <laughs> I cannot believe we're
1: here <laughs> oh god the odyssey of 2021 alright that's been this week's liverpool.com podcast uh, we hope you enjoyed it we hope that you're staying safe and we hope that Liverpool will be back to win games of football Very shortly, but from us, that's been this week's show. We'll see you soon. Take care.
2: You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool
0: Echo.